Edwards, right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! Looks, he hits, throws the right yes! side. Yes! Has your mental health ever suffered at the hands of the Green Bay Packers? Well, this is the show for you. Welcome to Today in Town, the safest space for Packers fans. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you with another episode of the podcast, second of the week, talking about that awful loss to the Denver Broncos. We've got plenty of voicemails and emails to read off and play on this show, so stay tuned for that. Braun, has your perspective on this game changed at all since the last time we spoke just a couple days ago, right after the game? Yeah, well, that was kind of our instant reactions, right, Griff? I mean, you're, you're emotional, you're kind of not able to look at the big picture. You're just kind of looking at that one game, and, and you don't get to really see exactly all what happened. But the truth is, I mean, there's a lot that's wrong with this with this team. And it seems like for the last over, now about three weeks, we've kind of just been trying to figure out what the solution is. And clearly, they haven't figured it out in Green Bay either, based on their last performance in between the loss to the Raiders and the bye week. And then when you go out and lose to a team like the Denver Broncos, who at one point this season got 70 scored on them by the Dolphins and have had only won one game prior to that, it's it's concerning. So has my perspective changed? I guess not really because we're still in the same place. Even though, Griff, we've looked at some of the, the, the film and kind of seen some stronger explanations for some things and maybe a little more clarity on, on what the maybe the root cause of some of these issues are, but again, we've got a lot to discuss because there's still problems and they need to be solved. And that's why we are here for some Packers therapy to make the voices of our fans heard. And we're going to do that through those emails and voicemails that you all sent in that we love to share each and every week we lose, sadly. Yeah, it's a bit of a silver lining every time we lose, huh? Every, every time we lose, we get tons of very emotional and passionate and loud voicemails and emails to read off. But... Once again, we've gone through all of them, picked out a handful of our favorites, and we're going to play those today. So if you would like to call into the show or have your voice be heard, you can do so by calling the number 920-412-7997. If you'd rather email us, you can do so by emailing todayinsidletown at gmail.com. Send us your takes, send us your questions to potentially get featured on the show. And with that, Griff, let's welcome our first listener to the Today in Town couch. Man, this coaching is bad. This coaching is, is the worst I've probably seen in, in quite some time. It's just, you got two weeks to prepare for the one and five Broncos. They're giving up 500 yards a game, five TDs. You can't come in and you can't score in the first half. Every single game is too little, too late. Jordan Love wants to play better in the second half, but it's too little, too late. It's, it's the Denver Broncos. I, I don't know how you come in and you got two weeks to prepare for the, the worst team in football. And then don't, don't even get me started on injuries. Year after year, it's hamstring after hamstring. You got to look at the training staff once in a while. No, I mean, other teams have injury problems, but not to this extent with hamstrings. It's just hamstring, hamstring, dude. Well, first off, thank you so much for calling into the show. We appreciate that as always. Thanks for sharing your take. And I mean, it was definitely pretty jarring the fact that the Packers looked that bad. Not only did they lose to one of, if not the worst team in the league, they looked terrible in the loss. It was definitely it was a wake-up call for some folks in the organization, I have no doubt. I really think the point about having two weeks to prepare 
and then come out so flat like we did. I mean, that is the most that's the most jarring part to me is to have all that time and you prepare for a team that's put nothing positive on tape in most of their football games and we get outperformed by a, a group that has been just poor all season. So there's it just makes you question the coaching, it makes you question the talent, it makes you question everything. It makes you question why Brian Gutekunst chose to assemble a roster that was this young with this little experience and expect to win football games. It makes you question why we, I mean, everything. I want to even question why we didn't trade Aaron Rodgers a year prior to this to get Jordan started quicker when they were going to just let Aaron Rodgers play with this horrible group of inexperienced young talent. I don't even want to call them talent because Aaron Rodgers had to deal (laughs) with this same thing last year. The same thing. And then now Jordan's dealing with it, and these guys are even younger because at least Aaron had Cobby and and Allen and other guys. This group is even younger, and it's even harder for, I would say, for Jordan to to have to try to lead a group without any veteran presence anywhere. So I, I just don't understand what the thought year in and year out is from not only the coaching but assembling the roster because what was the goal in 2022? Because it's the same roster basically, apart from the veterans, and they didn't, they they couldn't do anything, and they didn't try to upgrade it. And it makes you wonder why they didn't just trade Aaron a year earlier. When how could you expect to win with that group? And then as much as you want Aaron, it doesn't make any sense. Like you're not winning. Clearly, you're not trying to win because they didn't make any moves to do that. And then they did the same thing, and they're making they're setting Jordan up to fail. It just makes no sense. I, I don't get the thought process, and and we're now seeing it week in and week out why it's not working, and I don't know what their plan is or goals are at this point. It's hard to see an overall direction, an organizational direction with this team right now. I don't know what way they're planning on going. I don't know what their, what their plan is for two years from now. I mean, Mark Murphy's going to retire in 2025. Are they just kind of like trying to get to the finish line of Mark Murphy's tenure? I don't know what's going to happen. I remember when he said that he wanted to win not only one, but multiple Super Bowls before he retires. And there's just been no urgency since, really, I, they're, they're, they've been focused on the future for far too long. Even if it's in, you know, they're, they're not, even when it was Aaron and Devante, they've been focused on the future, just trying to preserve the future. And that dates back to them drafting Jordan in 2020. And they've just never been able to really capitalize since... That you know, drafting Jordan kind of was that big turn of events where where your Gutekunst made it clear that he's not playing for right now any longer, and then it spiraled out of control year in and year out when we're losing guys that should be here, and then they trade Devante, and then they trade Aaron, and now there's nothing left except this new cast of of Goody guys, and they've got nothing. <laughs> they've got nothing to show for it, and the same thing with Gutekunst's inheritance of Ted Thompson's guys. They've got nothing to show for it under this regime. And and these new guys, they've got nothing in the right direction of pointing to winning at this point. So on a yearly basis, it seems like they're getting worse and the draft classes are not panning out in the way that we hope. So looking back at what Mark had said about wanting to win Super Bowls, it doesn't align with the way that they've not only built the roster, but then operated in trying to improve it. It's just been a lack of that, I feel like, for years they're not doing the right things. They're not making the right steps to be a competitive football team. And that's been 
very evident this year and over the course of this past offseason with the way that they've managed to put this caliber roster around a young quarterback who they want to succeed, I would think. But I get that they have money issues, but that comes with the fact that they they kept Aaron Rodgers for a year and then didn't try to win with him in this football year that happened in 2022. And they got back into the hunt late in the season because of what he was able to do. But other than that, I mean, they played poorly for a lot of the time because the group around him was so young. And now it's a younger group and Jordan's struggling and everybody want to act surprised about that. But I just don't think they're assembling the roster in a way that can help Jordan do anything to succeed. And it's hard to make build a confident player when there's a lot going wrong around him. Just like we said about Aaron, it's hard for him to have success when there's so much wrong around him. And how can this continue to be the way that you want to operate, especially when Mark Murphy's got a couple years left? Where is the urgency to win? There's no urgency with Aaron. There's no urgency with Jordan. I don't get it. I mean, his talk about winning Super Bowls means nothing if they're not actually going to go out there and try to do it. Yeah, that's always going to be our criticism of Green Bay is that they they never it never felt like they really went all in with in those final years with Aaron. Um, a lot of people say that they did go all in. A lot of people say that right now they're paying the price for going all in. I don't know, Bron. Do you think they went all in those last years with Rodgers? Because to me, no, looking I at those rosters, it doesn't feel like they went all in when Alan Lazard was wide receiver too. I don't know. I don't think they went all in for a litany of reasons. And I think also when you point to what the Rams did when they went really all in and they got OBJ in that year that he was possibly coming to Green Bay and then it was between the Packers and the Rams and then the Rams paid him more and then the Rams won the Super Bowl and he was a big factor in that game before he got hurt and now they're competitive again already. And I mean, it's not like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. They're already competitive again. And Green Bay is here with a young quarterback with a, a team that's even younger than he is because he's in his fourth year and he's surrounded by rookies and guys that are in their second year and still figuring things out. And the Rams are already competitive again, and they just won the Super Bowl not more than, what, two or three years ago now. I don't even want to think about past Super Bowls that don't involve the Packers, so I don't actually know what year they won it. But it's just the reality is we are not doing the right things to win a championship and we're, we're afraid of what isn't real. We're afraid of the possibility that we win the Super Bowl and then are bad for a couple of years when we've just now seen a team that was doing it when we were supposed to do it, the Rams, and they're already competitive this year. And it, it's just aggravating to watch because hindsight is twenty twenty. We were saying it then and we're saying it now and the results are still the same and we never won. So what's even the point? Why worry about oh my God. the results of winning when you never won? Every time I'm reminded that we never won a Super Bowl with Rodgers and Adams and LaFleur and Jones, that group, they never won. It stings very it, it stings very badly. Maybe um, it's time to bring back Big Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Run it back with Mike, man. No, I was going to say I've always had a, a general belief in this organization I feel like they're, and I still think this, they are definitely one of the more mature, professional franchises in all of sports, the Packers. Tradition, there's no owner, such a unique history. They are one of those top-tier franchises, no doubt. But in terms of the year-over-year constant success, 
I and I think a lot of people in the past have attributed that to the organizational culture of Green Bay. Like they just know what they're doing. You know, draft and develop is their philosophy. They are always thinking three years ahead. And a lot of people respect them for that. I am interested now with Jordan Love, who appears to not be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm interested in what this organization looks like without a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the early returns have not been great. I think a lot of it, the things you talk about, Griff, the tradition, the maturity, the organizational culture was around long, long, long before Brian Gutekunst ever walked into the building, before Matt LaFleur ever walked into the building. I think one of the true carriers of that was Aaron, and obviously he was able to completely study what it went, what it meant to be that type of player and that type of leader in an organization because he had Brett there, and he was the true understudy to Brett. I mean, that is valuable. And I think Brian gets some level of that with Ted Thompson, but it starts to fall away when Brian really doesn't focus on the current winning team. I mean, it's it's just hard for me to say that he has done a good job because it's hard to point to things that he did that were impactful in the winning situation that we had. There were a lot of things that I would say the fact that we had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams was more valuable than any move that Brian had made or anything that he had done to assemble the group because he did not assemble the group of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and these other guys that were there before he got there. And the ones that came along after, you can say that they, obviously Brian brought those guys in. There's not many blue chips there. No, I mean, again, we talk about Rashawn Gary and Jair Alexander. And then who? Elton Jenkins in the second round. That's a great pick. And then who? And then who? And it's been five and a half years now, and we can't point to anything that has given us a true winning advantage or given us a a real winning Super Bowl championship. I mean, it just hasn't happened. And it's difficult to grasp, but, and a lot of people love Brian, and I like Brian as a person, but at the same time, it's just not been enough, and the focus has been on a lot of other things as opposed to winning. And it seems like he's just been waiting to get Aaron out and try to build his own roster as opposed to trying to just enjoy the fact that he had a Hall of Fame quarterback and try to win Super Bowls. And now it could cost people jobs. And the problem is, is the culture, everything was there before Brian and Matt came into the leadership. And Mark Murphy's coming out the door now and we're going to have somebody else stepping into his role. Things are going to change quick if they don't start winning, but I'm not even sure they're focused on winning at this moment with this group. And then by the time they realize it, it'll be too late because the new president will come in and want to change things up quickly. We're going to have more discussions in the future about Brian Gutekunst as a general manager and the job he's done during his tenure so far if the Packers continue losing and if they continue to look as bad as they have so far this season. Same thing goes for Matt LaFleur and the same thing goes for Jordan Love. These conversations are going to happen more often when the Packers suck, when they look like a bad team. And right now they look like a bad team and I can't help but think about the job that Brian Gutekunst has done as general manager. A lot of people seem to blindly love and support every decision he makes. A lot of people love Brian Gutekunst. Goody! I don't know why I said that. (laughs) <laughs> can you leave that that's something if i did that you would leave it in so now you gotta leave that. yeah in. i'll probably leave that in. but when you start thinking about the players that he has acquired either through the draft or free agency free agency i shouldn't even mention because other than that 2019 offseason he has been um completely 
uninvolved in the free agency period. And it'd be different if he was getting involved in the trading market of some kind. I remember when we almost traded for Khalil Mack, almost, just like we've almost traded for a million players. But Every player I, in the I, league we, we've been involved in. Yeah, we're always listening to the conversation. Reportedly. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, right? So we've traded for three players since 2021. Corey Bajorquez, Randall Cobb, <laughs> and Isaac Yidem. <laughs> and Randall Cobb was somehow the best one there. And this was and old Randall, Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb was GM Rogers' move. I know, that was Aaron's move. What the heck? Aaron made that move. That wasn't even Brian. Isaac Yidem, once again, bringing him up on this podcast. Wow, this guy won't get away. Gosh. I know. You start to look at Goody's drafts, and it's like, Jair, I mean, way to start out your career as a general manager. First pick in your first draft, taking Jair Alexander. He's been amazing. Since then, though, there's not many guys you can point to. And I know Rashawn Gary is really good. He's very good. But the problem is that he is in year four and is about to have a brand new price tag that the Packers might not be able to afford. And he hasn't been good his entire career. It took a while for him to come onto the scene. It took a while for him to develop, which is why a lot of people wouldn't have drafted him 12th overall. But the Packers did. They let him sit. And now he's really good. That's great. But it's hard to win football games with that business model because now he's about to be a lot more expensive. Here's the reality. They're trading their best players away, and the guys they're bringing in are not supplementing the current roster, and they're not good enough to replace the guys that they traded and that they let go and that they've moved on from. The best players that they've had any transactions involved with are Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and they are no longer here. And then where do Jair and Rashawn fall on the list of those guys? Probably somewhere in the middle because they've got a lot of guys that have gone on and they haven't won anything. And it's just not been enough. So, Griff, that's enough on Brian because I don't even yeah, know where I, we got to know. Brian there. We Our caller didn't mention 30 Brian. Minutes. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you mention? Our caller didn't mention Brian. So let's move on to an email. Uh, and try yeah. to get to a happier, possibly, maybe, or maybe okay, a Okay, this one's topic. a lot happier. This one's a lot happier. It is beyond, this one's from Kyle. It is beyond frustrating to see this team lose games in similar situations and games each time. Matt LaFleur always says, we'll go back on the film and check it out, and lives by his cop-out answer when he has no idea how to actually fix our problems. Tell me how many times you've seen poor situational defense and offense that's unable to really throw the ball downfield and most consistently teams that get off to slow starts. Time to start asking questions and not giving LaFleur a pass. I'm starting to believe Rodgers made that man. He cannot coach. Wow, Kyle. See, Bron, I told you this one would be happier. Yeah, what a happy discussion we're about to have. <laughs> Very joyous. Matt LaFleur, a lot of talk about him. Another week, another conversation we have to have about Matt LaFleur. The biggest problem with this offense and Matt LaFleur and everything they're doing, I think it's the fact that they're young is just the prerequisite. There's nothing we can do. They're inexperienced. They're young. They keep saying that. Matt keeps saying that. Okay, so then why are you making things so difficult or so complicated? They need to simplify things. If they're having issues with guys running routes, I don't know what they're doing all week at practice. Tucker Kraft said something earlier today about how they play better in the second half, he thinks, because they go through the first 20 plays of the game and they feel like they see something and they've got it now and then they start to get into a flow because they've finally seen it or they're more prepared for it when they see it again throughout the game. What are they doing all week in practice? The entire point <laughs> of practice 
is, is to there a scout get team? The, Do they prepare yes. for the upcoming upcoming opponent at all? You scout what they're doing on defense from an offensive standpoint, and then you have your scout team defense run their play calls and run the stuff that they run so that you're prepared for it so that when you play the game, you can win. And they're clearly not doing that at any level because if they're just getting to it, in the first half and seeing things for the first time, like Tucker Craft said, I have no idea what they do Monday through Saturday because there's clearly nothing going on. And I think they need to simplify things in general. If they if they're having trouble, if Jordan's having trouble making reads, if receivers are having trouble running routes, don't make things so complicated. Don't have these guys doing more than they know how to do. Have Jordan hit the easy stuff that he's just continually either passing on or missing out on or not doing, he's got to just do the easy stuff if he's having trouble with it. And the same goes for everybody else on the offensive line. Don't make them try to do these complicated pull and reaching blocks and have your right tackle running to the left side for a play and being out there trying to block the middle linebacker. <laughs> trick play screeching. with three double passes. Yeah, maybe pass don't do all these stupid trick plays every week that make Jordan Love look like he's slipping on a banana peel. I mean, let's just be <laughs> simple and play the offense just do it the simple way. Aaron Rodgers is not around to check to the perfect play when Matt makes a bad call anymore. We have to make it simple so that these guys can execute the play call. There are a lot of bad calls too, especially screen plays. The screen plays have been awful. I mean, there were some plays on Sunday where, Braun, I really have no idea what the play is. I was telling you about this earlier. I There is one play in there where I have no idea what the plan was. I don't know what they're trying to do. It was one of the strangest plays I've ever seen. And it went for negative two yards, so that's good. But the screenplays this year have been, oh my god. Every single screenplay makes me want to scrape my eyeballs out. We have to be the worst team in the entire league on screenplays. I can't find data on this anywhere. If anyone has any clues as to how I can find this data, please let me know. But I, I don't know where to find it, but I know that the Packers have to be at the bottom of the league because the amount of screenplays that we call that are dirted that is just immediately sniffed out by the defense and covered up and Jordan has to look stupid and take a hit and throw it at the ground it's pretty much every single screen it feels like anyway I was able to find this Jordan is completing 68% of his passes on screenplays and I know it doesn't sound that bad but that has to be a league low on screenplays which is an <laughs> extension of the run game which should be no more than a simple handoff through the air he's completing 68% of his passes on screenplays I can't find quarterback rankings but I was able to find out that C.J. Stroud and Kenny Pickett both have an 85% completion percentage on screenplays this year. Joe Burrow has a 95% completion percentage on screenplays. And there's Jordan at 68. That has to be the bottom of the league, although I'm not sure. But every single time we call, we call a screenplay, I moan and I grumble and I complain and my roommates are sick of me. But I can't stand it, dude. I can't stand the screenplays. Call real plays. Call simple three-step quick game. If you want to run the ball, run the ball. Do some outside zone pitches. There are other ways to be creative than keep trying to run these screenplays when guys don't even know how to line up properly. Here's a, here's a basic Green Bay Packers drive this season. Run for one yard. Run 
holding offense number 71, screen pass <laughs> for negative two yards, deep shot on third and 14 that Jordan Love overthrows by five yards. <laughs> no one's open either. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. I mean, we're just, we have nothing going for us, and we have no hope, and we have no excitement, and we have no prospects, and I'm excited for none of that. <laughs> It's a great year. Um, I this does lead us perfectly into uh, my next the next voicemail I'm going to play here. Okay, so this is what I think needs to happen. I think Lafleur needs to take the whole offense out somewhere to a park, and they need to run all the scripted plays before the game, ball up like they do. Then they go back in the locker room. Lafleur chews their ass out, and then we start the game because the team that starts the game. And the team that starts the second half are not the same offense. It, it that sounds like a joke, Bron, but I think that might work because I mean she's right. The team that we see every single week in the second half, it's completely different from what we see in the first half. Completely it's different. An entirely different group. They play at a different level. They look differently confident, and they they put more points on the board. I mean, I think what was it? We've we, how many how many first half points? Have we scored? I think like six in the last six, three games. Yeah, yeah, six points. I mean, what in the world? And then of course, since we week two, we in. have scored six first half points. <laughs> That's since week two. Since oh my word! Uh, and they, I think it, they've scored sixteen first half points all season. Griff, what is wrong with this franchise? What is going on? I mean, I don't know what that is. I don't know why it's so different in the first versus the second half, but it's got to be a coaching problem, right? Everyone used to accuse Rodgers as the leader of this team for not being the one to bring the energy because this has been a problem in Green Bay for years. How many how many games have we seen, you know, through the, throughout the Rodgers era and this season where they come out flat, it's ugly, we're losing by two scores, you know, before halftime. How many times have we seen that? Well, that was even and even just to counterpoint that a little bit. That was like in combination, maybe like half of the games we came out flat against bad teams. And then the other half were coming out hot against good teams. Like that's, I mean, it's not like we were, you know, this is different. We're coming out flat weekly, whether it's versus a good or a bad franchise. And we just, there's no solution. And clearly not because the, I, I almost just called them all morons and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> even though you'd now know that I was going to call them morons as listeners, but I don't know what they're doing up there during the bye week. Are they going to Cabo? I don't know what's going on. What they took are they nice doing? It's a nice week long vacation. Healed yeah, up. they are. They really Margaritas. earned it. Two and four. They've really earned the vacation for sure. <laughs> I mean, this just sucks. What are they doing during the bye week? What was the what was all the self scouting? What did it accomplish? They scored zero points against the worst team off their bye. Can you overstate that? Because we've said it five times. You can't. You can't overstate how poor that is to be the Green Bay Packers and do that. How do you do that? I mean, I can't get over it. It's really remarkable. And they scored two touchdowns in the game. One of them could very easily have been an interception, and the other was a tip drill miracle touchdown. (laughs) And they suck, too. They all suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> both teams involved suck. They both suck. We didn't talk about this earlier from a previous voicemail about the injuries and the hamstrings. You, you asked, Ron, what are they doing over the bye week? Certainly not getting healthy, which is what I think most oh teams gosh. would be doing over the bye week. Ten not players the Packers, on the though. injury report going <laughs> the into The only game. team Ten. I've ever seen come oh out of the bye gosh. week with more players hurt. <laughs> like, <what happened? laughs> How does that happen to a team? Did a coconut fall on Matt LaFleur's head? I don't know what happened that week. 
What what was what could have gone wrong on the boats and, and then under I the don't trees? Know. But the bad injury luck continues to spiral for the Packers as Eric Stokes was added to injury reserves. Uh, <laughs> injury reserves. After just um, four snaps against Denver, Eric Stokes back to the sideline. Hamstring injury. Not even a re-aggravation of the foot injury that had kept him out for almost a year. It's a brand new hamstring injury. Brand freaking new. And he's back on IR. Devondre Campbell, no return in sight for him. It doesn't look like Darnell Savage on IR. Jair Alexander didn't play on Sunday. Ah, man. Aaron Jones didn't practice on Wednesday. Aaron Jones is going to be... I. Oh my god, don't even get me started on Aaron Jones. Is he going to be back or not? He plays against the Lions... Then he's out in Las Vegas. This is getting closer to David Bakhtiari. I know. And then he, he he plays in Denver and he gets eight carries and he's on a snap count. Like, what what is going on with this hamstring injury? Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Put him on IR if it's taking this long for him to heal up. I don't know what the problem is. So what is the solution to all this? I have no idea. And the answer is that there probably is none. The Packers are just unlucky. Is it a training staff problem? I highly doubt it. Because this has been, people have been calling to, Braun, you and I both know this as well as anyone running, doing what we do on Instagram. People have wanted our training and medical staff fired since we started doing this. That's always been, it's a catchphrase in Green Bay. Fire the strength and conditioning coach. You know, people don't even know who that is, but they, they, they want him gone because he's responsible for Eric Stokes' hamstring. All right, Griff, let's go to our next voicemail. Okay, next voicemail also from Sunday. Get Barry Sanders the f*** out of there. I meant Joe Barry. You know, I can't say I've ever heard anyone mix up Joe Barry and Barry Sanders before. But <laughs> that is, that was funny. I had to play that one. So, Braun, what are your, what's your take after that? In terms of Barry Sanders, I would say, yeah, time to get him out of there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Two separate voicemails there, by the way. Not the same voicemail. He, he called back. So, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate your take, and we found great joy in that voicemail. Well, the good Next news one, is Barry Sanders isn't coming back, so we, he did something. Yeah, he's been out of the league for a while now. But next yeah. voicemail. I have been a Packers fan for not too long. I mean, long, but not too long. I'm still relatively young. I'm only I'm only 18. So, I, I you know, I, the second I started watching, I fell in love with the team, and I've been watching ever since. And I just, and so I'm, I'm, I'm spoiled with only good times and embarrassing endings. And now that we're here at a time like this, I don't know what I can do anymore. I my dad is also a Packers fan, and he's much more of a. As soon as things go wrong, he acts like it's the end of the world. As soon as you know the team's playing bad, he's saying, "Forget this team. I can't believe I'm watching. I can't believe like all these things. Like this team, so we're the worst." And so I've always grown to defend this team. So I, I try to learn about the team as much as I can, so I can defend this team when he don't you know, gets in a negative state like that. And I don't know. I'm watching this game, and it's I don't know how to defend this team. It was so confusing because I was at work for the first half of this game so I'm looking and I'm seeing this you know love 10 for 13 12 for 15 like okay like it's what you know but only 30 yards and I'm like it looks like he's playing clean football but it's not going anywhere and then he throws uh, what is two back-to-back game ending I mean embarrassing the awful interceptions and I just I know I know it's his first year starting but I want it's the same thing Griff always says it's like I just I want to see improvement, but I don't I don't know I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to to look, I don't know where I can look for for, for promise honestly I know he's not he's not playing like absolute five interceptions a game or anything like that but I, I don't see any promise when he plays 
I really don't. And I just, I mean, I know Franz is a really good spin on the ball, but I, it's a good spin on the ball to the other team. <laughs> it's getting really hard. I can't wait to you guys' podcast. You guys are what gets me through the week and through these unbelievable, unbelievably awful games. Well, Bron, if that isn't the perfect encapsulation of just the passionate confusion that goes into every Packers loss for us, and I think he put it well, I don't know how to defend this team. And I, I relate to this caller. It's hard to defend them right now because they don't do anything well. And there's not really many players who are even playing particularly well. Most, most players on this roster are playing poorly right now. So there's not a lot to root for. It is strange. I mean, the caller made a lot of great points about the uncertainty. And, and there's a lot of things that you want to be excited about. The way Jordan looks at times earlier in the season, things were a lot less uh, worrisome than they are now, I guess, because we just, again, we lost to a really bad football team that we should have beat even after losing to the Raiders, who we should have beat. We, it's it's tough to be excited. And that's that's normal. But at the same time, it starts to pile up if we don't put something together that gives you a glimmer of hope. So, you know, it's one thing if it's ups and downs, but it was up to start the season those first two weeks, really. The first two or three, it was looking okay. And then then it's down because it's just been down ever since. And now we're heading into week eight against a Vikings team who just beat the San Francisco 49ers. It's, if we don't win this game, you're looking at two and five rough. I mean, it, you're just you're starting to get yourself out of the playoff picture and out of excitement within the fans and and there's a lot riding on a lot of people's jobs and the future of this football team hangs in the balance every week that we perform badly because we've got this guy who is supposed to be the next guy for multiple multiple years and he's got to start showing us something consistently, not just flashes now. It's got to become a consistent, at least, consistent flashes I'll take at this point. We just got to see something, and, and and we just need it quickly because fans are starting to lose hope in the future and the leadership of this franchise. Yeah, Brown, you got to do another poll on where the fan base feels about Jordan Love. Well, the last time you did it, I think it was 74%, right? 74% of people? 78. 78% thought he was going to be the quarterback of the future. I feel like the the more bad games he puts together on this cold streak, um, that number is just going to drop and drop probably. That's I think usually if I how... took a poll, if I took a poll this past week, which I chose not to, I, I think the number would have been probably around sixty five percent. If I took it, if I took the poll immediately after that game, but if we look right now, I would probably I will. You know what? I'll share. I did take one poll that I thought was interesting, a little more positive poll probably. Uh, just instead of looking at who to spread blame on, I said, you know, who can who can we trust? Can the Packers trust anyone to lead them back to their winning ways? And the results of that were pretty sad in general. Uh, so the, the question exactly was, who do you trust to turn things around in Green Bay? Matt LaFleur received 22% of the votes. Uh, Brian Gutekunst slash Mark Murphy received 7% of the votes. Jordan Love received 35% of the votes, so more than Mark Murphy. Packers fans trust Jordan Love more than Matt LaFleur and Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst to lead the franchise to a turnaround. But the sad reality of this is that 36%, 1% more than voted for Jordan Love, 36% voted for none of the above. So that means that 36% of the voters of this poll do not have faith in Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, Brian Gutekunst or Mark Murphy to lead us to a turnaround, lead us to a winning culture again. Well, isn't that great? 
it's a great time to be a fan of this team, as we often say. Clearly. Jordan is definitely going to be an interesting case study of how much do live reps really matter for a young quarterback. You know, it's been a long time since a first-round quarterback has sat for three full seasons behind a Hall of Famer. I mean, when's the last time that has happened? Patrick Mahomes sat for one year behind Alex Smith. It's not the same. The Packers operate differently by doing what they did with Rodgers and then with Love in 2020. So it, he is going to be an interesting case study. Where I stand right now is that I haven't seen enough. I've seen too much bad. And I don't think I have any reason to believe or expect that he's going to develop into a franchise quarterback. And I don't think that's a very hot take. I mean, I haven't seen enough. I really haven't. Jordan, he's been in the league for three and a half years, and he's shown more bad than good. How many quarterbacks are able to become franchise guys after starting their careers like that? Like, yeah, he could end up being good down the line, but... Aaron's there, the only record showing that that's happened. I mean, who else has done anything like that to sit and, Aaron, and not play? Aaron's not an example of that. Because Aaron no. was Aaron flashed the high-end, top-tier quarterback play very early, you know? No matter what people want to say, he flashed it in 2007 in Dallas when they nearly came back and won that game that Brett Favre got hurt. I mean, that and that was one of his first appearances, if not his first in-game appearance. I, I mean, just Jordan has never done anything remotely close to that. Other than, if you want to point to one thing that a lot of fans thought there was a lot of hope is when... Jordan came in and, and against the Eagles in 2022, and that short pass to Christian that he ran for 70 yards, that was the one thing that made people think he could actually come in and do something, but we haven't seen him truly lead us to scoring drives, lead us to points, and do things at a high level in this offense yet, at least not with what they've got going on right now with the play calling and everything else surrounding him offensively from a from a personnel standpoint. So there's just a lot of wrong, a lot of bad, and a lot of no hope in my heart right now. A lot of people are coming to the defense of love. Over the past few weeks, over the Packers losing streak that they're on right now, the pattern seems to be right after the game, everyone hates love, no one believes in him. And then as the week goes on, more and more people start saying, hey, the O-line's not that great. Hey, these guys are really young. And then we kind of go into Sunday believing, all right, let's see a Jordan. And then it's kind of repeat of the cycle. That's how it's been the last three games, at least. And people are on that trajectory right now. I think as a fan base, from what I've been seeing, more and more people are kind of defending love. And look, I get it. He, Sunday was not his worst game of the season. And he <coughs> played overall just fine. I mean, what was his PFF passing grade? Like 58, you know, two points below average. Not that bad. You know, backup quarterback, replacement level quarterback. Too that's bad kind he's of supposed what... to be our starter for the next several years. So, well, not good yeah. enough. Now listen, he could totally, the door's not shut. He could turn out to be a elite thrower of the football, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know, all this stuff is still in the realm of possibilities. It's not very likely. And you could say the same thing about Zach Wilson or PJ Walker, you know? Like wow. any of those guys could, they could, sure, they totally could. But that doesn't happen very often. Geno Smith is the only example that I can think of, of a guy who really went to a new location, in Gino's case, and looked like a different player. That's the only time I can think of a quarterback being oh, and he this went far from the into Jets. career. I mean, he went from the New York Jets to at least like a like an actually decent organization. That's yeah. one thing. He's coming, where, where would he have more success 
than the Green Bay situation where he they've been he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years and was underneath some of the most incredible leaders, incredible coaching. I mean, there's been a lot of great things that he's gotten by being right. in Green Bay. Coaching, the veterans he's been around. He sat behind Aaron Rodgers, who we know Aaron was not afraid to be a teacher in those meetings, you know? No. Aaron was definitely hands-on wanting to get Jordan ready. You know, he's been he's threw the ball to Devontae Adams for the first two years of his career. At practice, he's thrown it to Devontae Adams, the best in the he's world. He's had multiple camps and mini camps where he was playing with ones, I mean, there's a lot that he's been able to do, and let's just put it this way. It would take quite a massive jump for him to be an elite quarterback at this point, a Hall of Fame caliber It would take a huge jump. That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm saying. It would take a really big jump, which is not impossible, but there's no reason for me to expect that. He hasn't shown us anything. We've seen him how many times now? Throughout the preseasons, there was nothing that screamed elite potential. Throughout the training camp that we went to, we saw more bad than good. His Kansas City appearance was terrible. Twenty nine PFF. That PFS was so grade. bad. That was what he. That see in that. That's the type of game that Mahomes got to do in his first year. Right, he had that last game. That was kind of the. That's the form of what we had there uh, for for Jordan against Kansas City, and that was just a terrible, terrible performance. And then you see a guy like Patrick Mahomes come out and play extremely well in his first chance at it. And it's discouraging because now we're sitting here years and years in, and it's like, what did we even sit him for if he's not going to turn out to be a good quarterback if sooner he still than needs later? Time. He still needs time? Really? The rookie deal's almost up. Yeah, I, we already extended him based on nothing, and now we have to hope that he plays well enough to to at least get us in a position to win games and, and try to make the playoffs. And and he's not helping us do that. It's He's become a liability in that regard of us trying to win. He's not helping us win right now, and we need him to be something that gives us a better chance to win, brings us over the hump. And that's, ju- and that's just based on the roster they gave him to play with. There's nothing else around him that is going to make the team win. He has to help us win, or we're not going to win. He has to be the reason we win or we will not win football games. So that's yeah. the reality, and that's the case, and there's everybody can get some blame for it. Brian, Mark, Matt, Jordan, Aaron Rodgers, all of it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, not Aaron. Love Dom Aaron. Capers. Dom Daphne. Ah, oh, Dom Daphne. Love I miss Dom. I miss him, man. We we gotta bring him back on. I don't wanna be I don't wanna come off as a Jordan Love hater. I never do, because it's not personal. And I think he's a great guy and I think he could have a long career as a backup quarterback, perhaps. That's so but insulting, I'm, but it's sad and it's it's it sounds true. like an insult, but I mean, what are we doing, man? What, you wouldn't take a backup quarterback salary? That's a backhanded compliment, definitely. Like to be like, he could be a great backup in this league <laughs> for years and years. One of the best sixty four quarterbacks in the in the world. I mean Yeah. And Jordan, I think he's good enough to be... I think he's top 64. I do. Um, well, that's a hot take. What I do here is I critique what I see on the football field. And Jordan has been a bad quarterback. And there's nothing in the world that I hate more than bad quarterback play. It frustrates me to no end. Bad quarterback play, I can't stand watching it. And that's what Jordan has been. He's been bad in structure. He's been bad out of structure. And there's been nothing, in my opinion, that he's shown that makes me think he could develop into that guy. (sighs) Griff, how do you feel after that session of Packers therapy? Because I think for me, it was pretty, pretty invigorating to get all that off my chest. And I'm sure it was the same for you and every Packers fan 
who listened. Yeah, I love this. This is more fun for me this year than it was last year when we started doing this. Because last year, I wanted to win the Super Bowl very badly. And Aaron Rodgers was our quarterback, and we weren't winning games, which was very frustrating. Um, And so this year, it's different. I had no expectations. They're bad. It looks like they're going to be bad. Yeah, you know, feels good to listen to the fans, though. I like hearing what you guys think. Well, it's so important to hear the voices of our fans because I feel like at the end of the day, look, we've got owners. I'm an owner. You're an owner. Uh, We have, we are the Packers. The fans are what makes this thing go, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's about the money or you think it's about other things. At the end of the day, without the fans, none of it matters. And no fans have more say in what goes on with their football team than the Green Bay Packers and and our fans. So, I think it's important to get their voices heard, and uh, it's fun to, to be a part of it, even though, because, you know, it's sad, and it's tucks, and it's terrible, but we're all going through it together, and there is a true, more than any other fan base, there is a true urgency within the city to right the ship and start winning football games, because no city needs it, no city cares about it, no city wants it more than we do, and no city loves the Green Bay Packers like they love their football team. So uh, just it's great to be a part of this. And this process, hopefully, I say this, I was saying this when Aaron was here, and I, I will say it forever, but when we finally do get back to the Super Bowl, whether it's this season, next season, or 10 years from now, or whenever, it will all be worth it because we've been through it all and we've done it and we got to that point. So let's just keep going through this together as fans and we will one day raise that trophy, I promise. And won't that just be the greatest feeling in the world? Speaking as someone who's never seen that, never seen my favorite team raise that Lombardi as a fan. I was alive, but wasn't really a fan at that point. Third grade. Yeah, that's going to do it for the show. If What'd you say? I said you're a bandwagon, Griff. Yeah, I am a bandwagon. If you would like to get your take featured on the show, you can do so by calling the number 920-412-7997. Very easy to remember by now. Or you can email us at todayinsitletown at gmail.com. Get your take featured on the show, potentially. Sorry to everybody who submitted their takes and did not show up on today's show. Bron and I were yapping today. We try to keep the show under an hour, so couldn't get everyone in there. I apologize for that. There was more that we had planned on getting in, but just no time. So... Maybe uh, maybe next week we'll get you in there if you call back again and complain about the Packers' eventual loss. Maybe not, though. It's the Vikings. You never know. Divisional games are weird. Let's, uh, God, I don't know. Hope they get better somehow. Miracles, I don't know. Let's hope they get better, healthier, and we'll be back next week. Go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Same time next week.